Okay, Genesis 33. And yeah. I want to talk about something. Is Jeff still here? Okay. Jeff and I, Jeff and I had a short conversation about this briefly before, uh, I think he's with the kids maybe. We had a, a short conversation about this a few, a few minutes ago before we started. And what I'd like to talk about is learning how to study to be quiet before the Lord. Getting quiet before God. Another way we can look at it is, is what are we doing when God strips away a lot in our life and we find ourselves alone? Alone, just us and God. How many have been there before? All of us in this room. There's moments where we have been, we felt very alone. And it could actually be circumstantial loneliness or just a quiet time in our life. And it's, at that time, God is doing a major thing. I remember before we adopted Caleb, we were were really anxiously waiting about what was going to happen. How is this going to work out? And who's the kid that we're going to adopt? And there was just a lot of prayer. And it didn't seem like anything was happening. And I just remember writing somebody... I just said this. We're in this kind of a quiet moment where we can't hear anything. We don't hear anything. We're not hearing anything but the occasional, but we feel the occasional brush of angels' wings as they are just about the Father's business. We felt like something was happening. We felt there was spiritual activity, but we saw nothing. And then suddenly we saw God move one Saturday afternoon, and bang, we had, we had the answer to our prayers. And then there's quiet times in our life where where God is doing such a deep work. Let's just get right into this. Genesis 33, verse 13. Jacob said to him, and remember, this is the scene where Jacob and Esau have their meeting together, their reunion, their reconciliation. And Esau says, Esau is on his horse. It's probably this beautiful horse. Esau represented strength and the powerful guy who's in control. Uh, He's talented. He's popular. He's the man that um, everybody should emulate. And he's there and he says to Jacob, um, come with me and we'll meet at this other city. Jacob says to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail. So Jacob is here with his family. He's in there with his whole tribe, all of his cattle, all of his kids, all of his, you know, his entire, you know, his entire progenity is there. And he is actually in his movement. He's not on a horse. He is walking. And he says that Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail and that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. If they are driven, and this is the point, if they are driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. Jacob is saying this. He says, Jacob said to you, I can't keep up with you. I can't keep up with you. I can't keep up with all, but everything that you are about, Esau. Uh, you just move. You just go for it. I'm going to... I'm going to move at the speed of the capacity of the flock. And that's the point I want to make this morning, is that God's work is slow. Okay? It's slow. And it's going to be painfully slow. It's painful. It can go decades. Amen? <laughs> I mean, it's, that can happen. And, we, and we're, we're wondering when, God. Why? When? And God's working slow. And this is a beautiful thing, because... Esau represents the nervous, unsettled energy of the flesh. Okay? The unsettled. 
energy of the flesh. It can't get quiet before God. Jacob represents the shepherd heart of God. Jacob represents Jesus Christ. He really does. Jacob is a picture of Christ walking with the flock at their capacity. I don't know. Billy said yesterday that it was a challenging week, and I know that for a lot of people it's been a challenging week. Um, God walks, and I think that sometimes people come to church or a church, and they feel like, I'm just not meeting up. I'm not, I'm not, cutting the, I'm not making the cut. I can't get there. And guess what? You never will. That's not the point. God is not trying to get you to this point here because you are already there in Christ. We are there in Christ. Before you and I got out of our bed this morning and before our feet hit the floor, unless you got a really low bed, before your feet hit the floor, you and I were a success story in the eyes of Christ. We are deeply loved, deeply known, and deeply accepted. And if you feel like you're not making the cut as a parent, as a business person, as a child, you ever feel like you're, you're, you're not meeting your parents' expectations, and you feel that pressure of maybe you're part of a family that's very high, a very highly ambitious family, and you're not, you're not fulfilling their dreams, that's okay, because Jesus is walking with you. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Luke 24, verse 13. And this is the first point I want to make. is The, the work of God is really slow. It's really slow. And praise God, it's really slow. Because people like myself would not be able to keep up. Amen? That's the first thing I want to say. Is the work of God in your life is slow. It's slow. Luke 24, verse 13. How many remember what's happening in Luke 24? Come to Bible school. <laughs> if you want to know more about Luke 24. Luke 24, 13. Jesus himself comes and he walks with the disciples. And where are the disciples going in Luke 24? Does anybody remember? Amazing. Jesus had just been crucified. Can you imagine that? You're following this figure. You've got these high ambitions that Jesus is going to set all of Israel free from the oppression of the Roman Empire. That he's going to cast demons out of everybody. That he's going to be, he's going to make Israel great again. (laughs) That's what they thought that Jesus was going to do. That's what they thought Jesus was going to do. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually be crucified. I'm going to be crucified. What? What are you talking about? You're going to be crucified? Yes, I'm going to be crucified, but I'm going to rise rise on the third day. And none of the disciples understood it. So when it happened, all the disciples are leaving town. They're just going home. Some of them are going home. Some of them came from out of town to be with Jesus in his mobile Bible school for three years. And they're walking around and, and they're following. And then Jesus is gone. And so, and so Jesus has risen from the dead and he's got this whole schedule. Like a, in 50 days, he's going to be Pentecost. He's got, you know, he's going to appear to 500 people. And yet Jesus here is walking with these discouraged disciples walking away. You ever walk down that road of Emmaus in your Christianity? I have. You're walking away from the plan of God. You're just like, I thought it was going to be like this, but it's not. I thought it was going to be this way, but it's not. I'm so disappointed. I thought I heard from God, but yet, no. And they're walking away, and Jesus comes up behind them, and he begins to talk with them, walk with them. This is the speed of God. How fast does God work? He works at three miles an hour. That's how fast he works. That's not original with me. A, a, a Japanese theologian said that. I just love that. And I don't agree with all of this stuff, but I'm going to quote from you here in a second from him. But he, but he said, let's, I'll just read it to you now. He said, God walks slowly because he is love. Right? 
he is not love. If he's not love, he wouldn't have gone a lot much faster. Right? Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. He is a, it is a spiritual speed. It is a kind of speed from the, the... It's a kind of speed that the technological speed to which we are accustomed to is different. It's different than that. It's not technological speed. It is slow, yet it, it is Lord over all other speeds because of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we are currently hit by storm or not hit by storm. It's a speed of three miles an hour. It is a speed we walk, and therefore it is a speed of the love of God that walks. Okay? You catch that? What's the speed of God's love? How fast is God going to work in your life? It's going to be, it's going to be according to your capacity. He's not going to overdrive you and I. Amen? If you're in a place where you don't understand something about God, or maybe you've just been wrecked by people that have represented God, and you're just kind of, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of here. I don't know if I'm all in. And it doesn't matter. This is where I'm at right now. That's fine. God is going to meet you there. He's going to meet you there. And he's going to, he's going to meet you there. And he's going to talk to you. And he's going to walk. And he's going to, how long are these guys walking? It's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, I believe. And they're walking, and they're walking three miles an hour. So it's about a two, two and a half hour walk. And it's happening in the afternoon. And they get to, the, they get to where they're going. And they sit down, it's evening, and the disciples say, hey, would you stay with us? Stay with us. Spend the night with us. There was something that was attractive about Christ. There was something that was beautiful, that was, that was acceptable about him, that he's walking their speed, yeah. and that he's not pushing with the spirit of Esau and pushing with the spirit of the energy of hyperactive, unsettled, anxious flesh like Esau had. And, it's, and Jesus said, okay, I will. I love that. Jesus, don't you have a schedule? Don't you got to be somewhere in 50 days? You know, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, don't you got to meet these people over here? Don't you, have to, don't you have to apply the blood to the throne and the heavenlies? Don't you have all this stuff to do? Yeah, I do. But this is really important. I'm going to walk with these disciples. I'm not, naturally, I'm not that way person. My brother, Pastor Jason, is. Pastor Jason's awesome. I'm kind of the guy, I'm 10 miles down the road, you know? And it's like, you know, and it's, it's something that God is, is working in my life. Jesus is walking with these disciples, and he's talking to them. And guess what happens? They sit down, and as soon as he breaks bread, what happens? They all recognize him. Because at first, they don't recognize him. They don't recognize him at first. But when he breaks the bread, when he breaks the bread, they discover, they, they, they're like, my God, how is Jesus? And then they said, didn't our hearts burn when we spoke together? That's Bible. That's body life, isn't it? And yesterday and then last night and every time we get together, whether it was in our home or here, I just feel this burning in my heart. Don't you? Saturday nights have been awesome. Sunday mornings at our house have been awesome. And the burning of heart, which we all hunger for. We said last night that, you know, sometimes that we experience spiritual loneliness because we're looking for something. And it's really God. And we're not finding it because even though there's Christianity all around us, is there that hunger for the breaking of the bread, for seeing Christ? And are people really being walked with, walking through something in their life? And so that is Jesus. This plan of God is slow in your life. Don't get impatient with, your, with yourself. You're going to fall down a lot. Don't get, just walk in the grace of God. Rebound when you fall. First John 1 John 1.9, if, if we sin, we confess our sin to our advocate who is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
not only does he cleanse us, I mean, not only does he, not only does he restore us and forgive us, but he cleanses us from the destruction of that sin. The sin destroys our soul. The second thing I want to say this morning here is that when God's slowing down our pace, when God slows us down like he did with COVID, and he's slowing down churches, and he's slowing down organizations, uh, I share with you, uh, uh, guys, uh, uh, maybe a week or two ago, I talked with a pastor on the phone of a very large church in the area, and he told me he's very discouraged, very discouraged. He wants to throw in the towel, and I really had a chance to encourage him. Why? Because God is slowing the whole thing down. God is slowing us down. Sometimes we get these ideas, like I'm just going to race forward and do this in the name of Jesus, and God's like, I've got to check that. I've got to check the motives. And you know, some of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time, but that never changes. God's always checking our motives, not to condemn us, not to criticize us, but to set us free, and get this, okay, to set us free from the anxiety, the nervousness, and the frenzy that we live in because we're not settled. We can't get quiet. I was in a taxi uh, in Central Asia. We were going from one place to another. I don't remember. And it was one of these taxis. It was, it had been converted. The engine had been converted from gasoline to propane. But it was just, it was like this, you know, communist type of deal. $200 you could do it. You could just convert your whole car to run on propane, <clears throat> which sounds great, but was not a great idea. So I'm in this taxi, and, <clears throat> and I can smell the propane. It's like leaking. It's like, you know, you're sitting, yeah, you're sitting, and he's, and he's like, he's got, it smells like smoke in the car, like he's a smoker. <laughs> I got in the car, I smelled the gas, I said, do not smoke. No smoking on this trip. We were supposed to drive three and a half hours from, from I think, Bishkek to, to um, Samarkand in, in Central Asia. And, and uh, I, had, I had, like, jet lag. I was exhausted because I, I was just going to go to sleep. And I thought, I may never wake up from this. And we're driving, and I can smell the gas, the propane. And he's driving, and it's leaking everywhere. And I go, is there something wrong with you? He goes, no, it's all good. We're, we're good. No worries. No worries. And so we're driving. And so, you know, in that part of the world, you have this, um, you have this Middle Eastern sound of electronica, like this techno trance, uh, you know, sound music. You know what I'm talking about? But it's in Arabic. It's just like, it's like, you ever hear Arabic music and then you got that beat to it? It's just, a, it's total catastrophe, total chaos. And so I'm sitting in the car, I'm like, please shut off this radio. Can you shut this radio off? I just want quiet. And he goes, so he turns it way down, but he can still hear it. And I said, can we just shut it all off? And he's like, no, it can't be totally silent. And I go, why not? He goes, because I can't function in silence. I was in a, I was counseling someone in Poland and we were talking about getting really quiet before the Lord. And this woman told me, she said, she said, I can't do that. I said, why? She said, because if it's absolutely silent and there's no air conditioning running, praise the Lord, and it's absolutely quiet, then the only thing I hear is my crazy broken thoughts. It's so loud. It's a psychic noise. We call it psychic noise, soulish noise. I remember um, talking to a teenager here in Houston, actually, and I was talking with her and her dad. And we got into the topic of the music that she listens to. And she said, I listen to this really loud, it's just screaming, just screaming, and just absolute chaotic guitar. It's just, it's thrash metal. Maybe that's just old. I don't know. It was just whatever it was. It was just so crazy. And it was just all, no words, no lyrics, just screaming. 
just screaming. And so I said, why do you listen to that? She said, because it resonates with what's happening in my soul. And she was like 14 years old. And she's from a broken family. She couldn't get quiet because of the screaming and the thrashing sounds that were in her soul. Guys, this is, the wor- this is what we live in. We live in this society, don't we? We get, it's really, this morning I just sat in silence. And the, I, it's fine, I have to get up earlier and earlier and earlier to get that silence with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't take naps anymore in the afternoon. I, I, you know, I'm in bed by nine. <laughs> I remember the days I could be up to one, you know. And, and, uh, but uh, I was just sitting there and it was so quiet. It was so quiet that I could hear the, 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 the static in my ears. You ever hear that? It's kind of like white noise in your ears. You know what I'm talking about? No, it's just like you can, you can just hear it inside of your ears, and I think it's just your ears kind of like decompressing from all the noise, the beat, the the level, the, the decibels that we are living in are extremely high. The decibels are, I mean, the cars, the traffic, everything around us is so loud, it's a continually. I'm just sitting there, silent, just thinking, thinking about how God's slow pace when He slows us down. <clears throat> We can no longer run from our thoughts. We can no longer run from temptation. We can no, long, no longer run from those things that we've hidden deep inside of us because we don't know how to resolve these things. And we're faced with our thoughts and we're faced with the condition of our soul. And David said this, and we don't want to park, we don't want to park there, right? We don't want to be alone. We don't want to be quiet. We don't want to be... David said in Psalm 88, he says, you've separated me from my friends. He said, my, he goes, my, my beloved and my friend, they shun me. My companions, they, they have become darkness. Because I'm just, David was struggling with deep, deep depression and loneliness. There's a booklet that my pastor wrote years and years ago, and I've read it maybe 20 times. It just really spoke to me. It's called Cosmic Loneliness. Because I would struggle, personally, I would struggle with a lot of loneliness and deep depression that was something I struggled with until I just began to digest that book. And if you want to get a copy of that, I can send it to you. But what happens is, is that we go through things and we don't know how to deal with the guilt. And so we press it down. We don't know how to deal with it. You talk to a Muslim and they're like, well, God, Allah is gracious. Allah is merciful. He forgives everyone. I said, what do you do with your sin? And they don't have an answer because there's no sacrifice to point to. And when we, when we live and we don't understand the finished work of Jesus Christ... We are trying to deal with our own stuff, and we're pressing stuff down that 20, 30 years ago or 10 minutes ago happened that we don't know how to deal with. And we live in this guilt, and we blame ourselves for stuff. You know, my sons, it's really interesting. It's, I'm learning so much as a dad. Um, he always, he's like, you know, we'll be doing something, and he'll turn to me and say, Daddy is happy? Daddy happy? And he'll say, Mommy happy? Mommy ain't happy? And it's, and like, when, when like, you know, when something sad happens or we hurt ourselves, like a bumper, you know, like he's very in tune with how we feel. And it's very, you know, because I think he, I don't know why, but he may have experienced some things at a younger age. But when we slow down, there is this, we are face to face with pain and we're fa- we, we become, we're, we're a lot more in tune with what's going on inside of our soul. And then we don't want to park there because we see, we see Esau just taking off down the road. And we're like, that's attractive. That's what I want to be. I want to show myself strong. I want to be powerful. And he's just taken off down the road, and we're just kind of trotting along with, with these sheep that want to stop every 10 minutes and just play on the side of the road. 
You know, it's like, well, this, is, this, this can't be discipleship. This can't be Christianity. We've got to be moving. We've got to be getting the programs going. Start popping out baptisms and doing this and doing that. And, you know, we can start, we can start getting under that pressure. Because why? Because there's something wrong inside. Inside is, and it's called the frustration index. This is an important point, okay? Just follow me here. Uh, when you and I have a standard or an expectation or some, something that we've accepted as this is the way it's got to be, that's not a grace or a divine standard that we find in the Bible, when it's an expectation, whether it is religious or non-religious, whenever we have that expectation, or I've got to be like my dad, or I've got to be like, i got to do, i got to be like this person, and what happens is, is that the more we try to be that, the more we find that we can't be that, and that distance begins to grow. Yeah. And that distance is called the frustration index. The distance between what I think I'm supposed to be and the thing that I'm experiencing today, which can be different levels. Some days you can be way down there. Some days you can be, oh, just almost there. That distance between there is called the frustration index. It's like a temperature. And that's, what, that's, that's why people are going crazy on road rage. That's why people are doing crazy things with their lives, because they have this angst that they can't deal with, and, they're, they, and they don't want to park there because they fear that they're missing out. It's called FOMO, right? And it's something that's been created by the social media world that we live in, the fear of missing out. David experienced this in Psalm 62, and I want you to turn there. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. And uh, let's look at that verse together. It says this, for God alone. And you know what? This is a verse that God gave me during the time I was single as I was waiting to get married. Like, I didn't even know who I was going to marry. And I felt this, of course, as a single person, you feel this need, feel this desire, feel this want for companionship. And sometimes you can feel this loneliness. And Psalm 62, verse 5, it says, For God alone my soul, wait in silence. Wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. By the way, fortress is an interesting word. Did you know that the word comfort in the English language is made up of two words? You guys know what it's made up of? Okay, I'm going to learn some vocabulary this morning. Comfort is made up of two Latin words. The first is C-O-M, which means together, with, right? Some of you guys are nodding your heads. I think your English majors here. And forts, which is what? It's exactly what it sounds like. Strength, power to lift, to fortify. It means to fortify together. It means it means a communication that strengthens people, not into passivity, into comfort, and to kicking back and just living like you know in whatever. But it means to strengthen someone, to, to empower someone for the fight. That's what comfort means. Comfort and it's changed so much. But David here says in its meeting. It's changed so much. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. And then look at this last verse, verse 8. Verse eight. And this is what I want to look at here for a second. Trust in him at all times, O people. And what does it say? What's that next part say? What does it say? Pour out your heart. Okay. What happens when God slows everything down and we're just like, we're fighting at the bit to get going, slowing everything down, and we got all this momentum of anxiety and, and shame and guilt and all this stuff inside of us that we don't even know how to even define? 
And we're just like, and what happens is we start discovering all the psychic noise, the soul noise, the brokenness, the, the, the impatience, the confusion. And what happens? It all starts pouring out, doesn't it? It starts pouring out. It's just coming out, you know, like, and this is what COVID has done. It's like put people back in their homes. It's kind of slowed everything down. It's shut down all of the gods of our society. It's shut down, it's, it's, it's shut the mouths of all the gods of our American society in the woodlands. Restaurants and, you know, sports and going out. And, and we were at the, you know, we were down at the waterway last night. And, you know, all the, the world of entertainment, it, God just shuts that all down. And now we're just alone. And we're in our house and we're face to face with a lot of things. And what happens is that our soul starts pouring out. We can no longer run away, right? Our soul, our heart's pouring out. We've got all this stuff coming out. And there's been so many divorces and so many family problems and, and abuse. And all of this has like accelerated under the time of being, of, of this time in, in COVID. And what happens is, is that when God slows us down, when God slows it all down, maybe he removes finances. Maybe he removes the glory. Maybe he removes the recognition. Maybe he removes whatever he removes. He removes the career. He removes the thing that we were putting our rock and our salvation in. And what happens is, is that we are, we are faced with our cup, our soul, our heart, and that starts to all come out. And what happens is God is a refuge. God is a refuge. You know something, when that happens in your life, when that period of time happens, and I think it happened with Elijah when he was at the brook, right? eating out of the raven, eating food from the ravens. When, um, you know, we can see it in the times of men and women of God in the Bible. When that happens, let it pour out. Just pour out your heart to God. And there's, it's no judgment zone. You know, it, it, and I want to say this, don't run from that time. Don't run away from that. I think that during this time, I think some churches and maybe some very active Christians felt like they weren't doing a good job doing enough because they weren't active and sometimes we can run into activity and we, we're good at this we run into activity because we're anxious about staying still before the Lord I think Robert and I were talking about this last week or something just being alone and quiet before the Lord being silent before the Lord and when it happens all the stuff starts coming out David got alone with God and here's a couple points I want to make okay and then I want to I want to wrap it up listening in silence to God exposes our pretense and self-righteousness, our falsehoods, hypocrisy, and self-importance. There is a little room to hide. We are left with ourselves in all of our brokenness, and we push back against that because we don't want to, we don't, we, we fear missing out. Um, living our lives, and this is what the fear of missing out does. It, it is when I'm living my life through a virtual filter that's not really living at all, making sure that on Facebook, all these great stuff, you know, and that all this great portrayal so I'm not living, I'm not fearing that I'm missing out. Um, and what does this do? It causes social anxiety. And uh, there's a woman by the name of um, Darlene McLaughlin, and she's an MD from AMN, A&M, and she said at least 3 to 13% of the population have been diagnosed with a condition called social anxiety. That means I'm very anxious about what people think of me. And guess what? We all suffer from that. You know, every one of us, every time we take our eyes off of Christ, it's just that the others, some of us manifest it in different ways. But when we take our eyes off of Christ, we're going to struggle with, we're going to struggle with anxiety. The problem with fear of missing out is that, that the individual impacts are looking outward instead of inward. Okay, We're looking outward instead of inward. We're not understanding 
this condition of the inner man. And when you're so tuned into other things and the world of social media or, the, or, or doing the better in your mind, we lose the authentic sense of who we are in Christ. Let's close with this. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. Okay? And it says this. The Lord is in His holy temple. I remember living in Ukraine, and I've told this story before. I had, just, I had not gotten married yet. We had all these plans that we were going to do all this stuff in Ukraine. We were super excited. And I remember just sitting down at my desk, opening my Bible, and somehow I got to this verse, Habakkuk 2, verse 20. It said this. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. I read that, and I was smitten. I just felt like, man... God wants me to be quiet before Him. I just sensed immediately the presence of God in my, in my room. And uh, I just got on my knees and I was just quiet before God. And when we're quiet before the Lord, when we finally surrender to that aloneness with God, all the stuff starts pouring out. And God's like, give me that. It's okay if you've got anxiety. It's okay if you've got fear, if you've got depression. Christianity is not about denying that. Christianity is about understanding what that is and then laying it at the cross at a daily, at, at an hourly basis. And what happens is, is that the Lord is in His temple. We said in Bible school last, last yesterday afternoon that in the ancient mythology, when a god had finished all of his wars and all of his all of his conflicts, he would set up a temple. And only then would he set up a temple when there's peace. And not would he, and he would not just camp out and kick back and just do nothing and be passive in that temple, but that would be the that would be the, that would be the center of operations for his governing of the kingdom that he had just conquered. God is in his temple today. God is in his temple, and guess where that temple is? Where's that temple? Who's the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? We are. You are. Yes, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not the big church down the street. Okay, that's not the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this temple, the temple, the ancient concept of temple was not a place where everybody would go and just worship the God in the temple. No, it was a place where people would gather and they'd tune into the will of God. And so you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that means that God has ceased from his labors. He's at rest. What does it mean to be rest, resting in the Lord? It means that I am surrendering. And I'm going to close with this. This is one closing. (laughs) Okay, one closing day. The, faith, the rest that we have in Christ means that I surrender to the process of God slowing me down. I say, okay, God, I surrender. Throw my hands up. I throw the, okay, the white flag's going up. God, whatever, you know? And God's like, finally! <laughs> A lot of times when we're like, okay, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm so sorry, I can't do this. And God's like, great. That's where I want you to be. Now I can start doing it in your life because it's already done. And I just need you to surrender. And this is so hard for us to surrender. We like to hear about the finished work. We like to hear about the grace of God, the gospel. But we don't want to surrender to what it means that I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm quiet before the Lord. Practical application. And I, I wish I had time to talk about this today. How many times, and this is homework for you guys, okay? I need you to go home, find a concordance, or do a search on the internet. How many times does the Bible say, shut the door? You ever done that? It's the most awesome study. I've done it before. Again, I went through it again this morning. Miracles do not happen in the Bible until the door was shut. 
Jesus had to shut the door on Peter, James, and John when they raised that little girl from the dead. Elijah had to shut the door before he could rise that child from the dead. There are some miracles that don't happen until we close the door to the world, to the flesh, and all the psychic noise that we have inside of us, and we get still before the Lord, and we go and we put away our prayer lists. Because God knows what they say. God already knows what my prayer lists are. He even knows the prayer requests that I can't even formulate in my soul. And we get quiet before the Lord. We just lay on our face before God and say, God, I'm just silent before you. I'm just like, I don't want to see anything. And the first 20 minutes when you do that, the first 20 minutes is just going to be like noise. I got a phone. I got to do this. I forgot to go get milk at the store. And then after a while, it's going to be quiet. And then when you get quiet, you just be quiet before the Lord and just open your Bible and just, and just praise and just worship God. And then and that's good. And when we do this, it's not Eastern mysticism. I'm not talking about meditation where we're emptying ourselves. We're not doing that. We're filling ourselves with the person of God. And when we do that, that's what silence is. is when I'm in awe of the awesomeness of the person of God who does not judge me, but is walking with me through my doubts, through my confusion, through my stuff. And when we do that, it's precious because we begin to discover what this Japanese theologian called the three-mile-an-hour God, the God who walks according to our capacity. So if you feel like you've been in church and you, or places or situations in your life you have not met up, it's okay to say that. I don't measure up. And thank you, God, that I don't, because if I did, God wouldn't be active in my life. I cast myself on the merciful hand of God. And when we do that, God begins to work in a way that we've never seen before. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close in prayer.